plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to the Informational Playground. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We're brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And I am your host, Cynthia Bryan. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. And so we hope to catapult you to the stars and let you know that you have everything you need to be the writer, producer, the star of your own life. And of course, you direct your own life. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by uh, Be the Star You Are charity. And you can visit the website at bethestarur.org. And this is from George Moore. A man travels the world over in search of what he needs, and then he returns home to find it. And that little quote leads me into what we'll be talking about today, because in segment two, we're going to go to the birthplace of democracy. We're going to talk about Greece. It's really an enchanting uh, place. It has over 6,000 islands, most of which are uninhabited. The food is really good if you if you've tasted it. The people are friendly and I am always fascinated by the mythology and of course the ocean is so beautiful. So we're going to uh you know tip uh, kind of duck our toes into the sea and talk about Greece. And then the our gardens are winding down and so too will we pretty soon cuz now that it's autumn. So we'll go into the garden and we'll finish the tasks that we need to do um, in order to anticipate a more restful winter. And, of course, this week I'm a little bit more rested. We haven't had uh, any major fires or or earthquakes or anything as has been happening here in uh, California, in Northern California. So I'm very happy about that. One little note, we were really thrilled to receive just yesterday in the mail from our assembly person, Rebecca Bauer Kahan, um, we got a certificate of recognition for Be The Star You Are in honor of our 20 years of dedicated service. So I want to thank the California legislature for taking the time to send us this letter and um and to her especially for writing this, this letter. And I love what it says. It says, uh, Dear Miss Brian, it is with great joy that I congratulate you on the 20th anniversary of Be The Star You Are. The work you, your staff, and volunteers do to empower individuals through literacy and positive media is greatly appreciated. I thank you for 20 years of dedicated service to our community. And uh, please accept my best wishes for Be The Star You Are many years to come. And again, this is from Rebecca Bauer-Kahan, our assembly person in the California legislature. So 
it's nice to know that that uh, somebody is watching, and that's good because it's not very often you get kudos, but I do appreciate it. So segment one, we're kind of talking, well, not kind of, we are talking about something that is very serious, and it is breast cancer information because when a diagnosis of cancer is delivered, panic usually prevails, and some risk factors that we can alter um, are, we'll talk about those, but others we can't. And knowledge is really power. So did you know that a high breast density surpasses every other known risk factor for developing breast cancer, even including family history or later in life childbirth? So these are some facts that we're going to need to stay healthy. So. We'll, we're going to discuss some mammograms, and men for men, this might be not so interesting, but if you have a woman in your life, it should be interesting because um, breast cancer is a serious cause of, uh, of dis-ease, right? And we want to try to live as long as possible. So when a woman gets her mammogram results, what she's most interested in hearing from her doctor is that everything looks fine, right? But even if the test doesn't show anything suspicious, there's other pieces of information that every woman needs to know. So in addition to showing any changes in the breast, such as those small white spots, they're known as calcifications, or any lumps or tumors, they're called masses, mammograms also indicate a woman's breast density, which is the measure of fibrous and glandular tissue versus the fatty tissue in the breast. Now, why dense, bre- uh, dense uh, breast, uh, breast density matters is because half of women ages 40 to 74 have dense breasts. And it can't be felt woman, when a woman does a self-exam or even when a doctor palpates her breasts. So it's vital information because dense breasts make it harder to find a malignancy on a mammogram. And even more important, women with dense breasts are four to six times more likely, that's really a lot, to develop breast cancer than women without dense breast tissues. So that's 400 to 600 times more. In fact, high breast density surpasses other known risk factors for developing breast cancer. And this is according to the research that was published in uh, JAMA Oncology, J-A-M-A. And another important finding is that women with dense breasts, tumors tend to be larger when they're detected compared with women without dense breasts. Um, And that is from uh, a paper called Radiology. So there's really a detection challenge. Now, on mammograms, the fibrous and glandular tissue that indicate breast density appear white. So to distinguish the degree of breast density, gosh, I'm having a hard time saying that today, breast density, I'm going to have to put that into my tongue twisters, breast density, breast density, radiologists use four different categories. One is extremely dense, that 75% or more of the mammogram appears white, or heterogeneously dense, that means 50 to 75% appears white, or scattered areas of density, that's 25 to 50%, or mostly fatty, which is 0 to 25% density. 
Now, if a woman's mammogram falls within one of the first two categories, her breasts are considered dense. So even though dense breasts can make mammograms more difficult to read, the test is crucial because so many cancers may still be visible. Now, breast density, along with other risk factors, including personal and family history of breast cancer, should be taken into account when determining a a mammogram frequency. And what women need to do is talk to their doctors and come up with a personalized screening schedule for both the frequency and the type of test that's performed. Because uh, many doctors now are telling women that you only need a mammogram every two years. It, the the, the uh, recommendation used to be every year, every year. But for women with breast dense, screening may include one or both of these tests. Now, there's something new called 3D mammography. And it is a traditional, you know, a traditional mammogram is printed on film and is only two-dimensional with two X-ray images taken off of each breast. You get a top to bottom, you get a side to side. But with 3D mammography, which is also called digital, the machine takes multiple x-rays or slices and then combines them into a 3D image that the radiologist reads on a computer screen where breast tissue can be viewed one layer at a time. So the resulting images are clearer, they're finer, and they show more abnormalities that might otherwise be difficult or impossible to see. Now, both types of mammography require the use of plates. Um, Now, 3D mammography delivers only a very slightly more ionizing radiation than traditional mammography, but it's still considered safe by the FDA. There are about 40% fewer false positives with 3D compared to 2D, and that prevents unnecessary anxiety in patients and repeated testing to confirm the results. Now, when I was offered, it was two years ago that the 3D, well, I guess it was last year. I've had two now. So the 3D mammography is fairly new, and once it was offered and covered by insurance, that's the one that I chose right away because I think it just gives you um, more bang for your buck and just more, you know, it's just a clearer image. Now, you can also do ultrasound. And this technology uses a high-frequency sound wave to identify breast cysts or masses. A layer of gel is applied to each breast, and then a handheld device called a a transducer is placed on the skin, and it transmits ultrasound waves into the body. And if you have a mass, that sound wave will be blocked, and that signals a potential cancer. Now, ultrasound is non-invasive, and it creates no ionizing radiation, and is usually um, used as a typical follow-up if you have an abnormal mammogram. Now, I've never had one, so I can't give any first-hand experiences, but I do want to say I know a lot of women find mammograms to be uncomfortable or irritating or painful. I've never had that experience. I just look at them as something that is really necessary and um, so simple. I find no pain 
whatsoever. So it's like, bring it on. I, I want to know. I don't want to be in the dark about what's going on. Now, there was an important finding when 3D mammography and or ultrasound was given to more than 3,200 women with dense or extremely dense breasts whose conventional screaming mammograms had also found no cancer. These additional tests found 24 actual breast cancers. And that was published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology. And of these cancers that was detected by 3D um, mammography alone, um, 11 were detected by ultrasound and 12 were detected by both the 3D and the ultrasound. So, you know, there are some caveats so that we have to look at those. And as part of the same study, there were 53 false positives for 3D and 65 false positives for ultrasound. However, the researchers considered the disparity to be statistically insignificant. Now, remember, this was 3,200 women, so probably 53 and 65 are not as significant, you know, if it, if it was a smaller study. Now, do these additional tests actually save lives? And this is the part that kind of gets, uh, it's debatable. And even though the additional screenings have been shown to identify breast cancers that could have been missed, modern breast cancer treatment is now so effective that even if cancer is detected a bit later, very often it's curable. And even so, of course, the earlier a cancer is detected, the less likely a woman has to go through chemotherapy. So while an ultrasound may not actually save lives, it could minimize the treatment that has to be made or make a treatment regimen that is less stressful. So the screening decision, it really can be a challenging question because professional medical groups have no established screening guidelines as of yet. Um, these groups don't consider the additional cancers that are detected by ultrasound to be numerous enough to warrant the additional uh, monetary or potential emotional cost of having ultrasound on top of the 3D. And right now, when you go for a um, mammogram, if you go to a place that offers the 3D mammography, usually that imaging place will give you the choice if you want 3D or if you want a regular mammogram. Now, some people probably choose based on what their insurance will pay, but... um, it's, I think that most insurances now will pay for either the 3D or the regular 2D. But So you do want to consult your insurer, obviously, before getting these tests because if you are paying out of pocket, a 3D will cost $100 to $200, maybe more than a 2D you know, mammography. And an ultrasound can cost several hundred dollars, if not a thousand dollars. So if you're one of the women whose cancer is detected without additional testing, it really is money well spent. And of course, women with a strong family history of a BRCA mutation, which increases breast cancer risk, are often advised to also get an MRI. But this scan is typically not recommended for women with dense breasts. And for that reason, um, you probably aren't going to have an MRI. But I wanted to say something here because it's really important. Dr. Laura Esserman from UCSF, University of California at San Francisco Medical Center, 
um, is a uh, breast cancer oncologist and one of the leading people in the world now. And she, along with her colleagues, have launched a study called the Wisdom Study. And their goal is to get over 100,000 women worldwide to participate in this study to find out if each person is actually on track to have breast cancer or what what is actually increasing breast cancer. So it's a breast cancer study. And I really encourage anyone who's listening who has not had cancer, and I believe you have to be in the ages of 35, 35 to 65 in order to participate. And the website is uh, wisdomstudy.org, or you can just Google it. You know, Google the wisdom study, um, and you will find it. And it's very simple. I did it, and they send you, um, they send you a like a, a swab to, you know, you kind of like do a spit test. And it is really, really, it's amazing. And by the way, I just gave you the wrong website. I just looked it up. Actually, it's just wisdom, wisdom.com. So uh, just type in wisdom.com, but it is the wisdom study. So wisdom.com. And their whole idea is, can we improve breast cancer screening? It says, join an online study designed to clarify guidelines and learn about your risk for breast cancer. And everything they do is free. Currently, they have had 23,119 people join the study, of which one of them is is, uh, me. And again, they're looking for 100,000 people. Um, Participants in it are UCSF, UCLA, UC San Diego, UC Davis, UC Irvine, Stanford, Health, um, LSU Health in New Orleans, uh, University of Chicago Medicine, Athena. And what happens is everything that they do, it's really simple when you fill out the information about yourself. If you're eligible to participate, they get you started. If you're not eligible, then they let you know. You don't have to go to one of their centers to participate. You just complete the steps at home at your own convenience. It's safe. Um, you receive a safe screening recommendation. It's scientific, and it doesn't cost you anything. So I really encourage people to uh, go for it. Now, some other breast cancer factors. I'm going to go a little bit longer in this segment just to give you some more information because you can't change certain risk factors such as your family history of breast cancer, but other risk factors are under your control So these are some steps to take. You know, you want to strive for a healthy weight. Um, You want to have at least 150 minutes of moderate to intense physical activity a week. And plus, you want a diet rich in plant-based foods with less than 10% of calories from saturated fat. There's strong evidence supporting the benefits of these strategies. For instance, Nearly a quarter of breast cancers could be avoided if uh, by not being obese or overweight. So you want to keep your body mass index under 25. So, for example, if you have a body weight of 140 and you're five foot four, that would uh, keep you under, I guess, the the um, the body mass of 25. And that's because fat cells produce estrogen. And an excess of this hormone increases the risk for certain types of breast cancer. Also, don't smoke. 
and try to limit your alcohol to one drink a day or even better, they say, less. And be judicious about any hormone replacement therapy. Try to avoid it completely if possible or take it on doctor's orders only for the shortest amount of time as possible. Um, let's see, dramatically, you can dramatically reduce your, your breast cancer risk with these right lifestyle changes. So you've probably heard the odds. One in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer at some point in their life. But what you may not realize, in spite of all the focus on genetic case testing and that BRCA genes, most cases of breast cancer are not genetic. So that's why there's a lot of emphasis on family history when it comes to all forms of cancer. But when it comes to breast cancer, 87% of people diagnosed do not have a single first-degree relative. And the first-degree is a mother, a sister, or a daughter. Now, the older you are, the more likely it is that the breast cancer that you might get is not in your genes. That means that there's a lot within your control. So I want to just give you a few myths. And the following have zero to do with breast cancer. So these are myths about bras. Um, There's a lot of myths that are about underwires or cup size or how old you were when you first started wearing a bra, but there's absolutely no research to support any increase in any breast cancer due to bra usage. Antiperspirant, multiple studies have failed to find any conclusive links between uh, the aluminum uh, chlorohydrate in antiperspirants and breast cancer. Hair relaxers, there's been no association found between breast cancer and how often relaxers or straighteners are used. Mobile phones and power lines. So there's a lot of debate surrounding mobile phones and brain health, and they don't emit the right type of energy or high enough amount, but they're not going to damage breast cell DNA. And the same goes for living near power lines. And there's been a lot of studies that have been debunked about that idea that electric magnetic fields generated by high voltage power lines increase breast cancer risk. And then breast surgery. If you've had breast reduction surgery, there are studies supporting the finding that your risk for breast cancer can actually decrease. Now, on the flip side, research shows that implants, no matter what type, the positioning or how long you've had them, do not cause breast cancer. They do make cancer harder to detect. So you should be more rigorous with your screenings. Uh, such as ultrasound, along with your 3D. And there are some new concerns that have been raised about these textured implants that might form a cause of uh, lymphoma, but not breast cancer. So there's more research ongoing. As far as coffee, no link between coffee consumption and breast cancer. Now, artificial sweeteners have not been linked to breast cancer, but they are associated with obesity and insulin resistance. And here's what does matter. So the good news are there's some positive steps you can take. And I already gave you a few, but I'm just going to go over them again. So it's diet, exercise, and lifestyle choices. So watch your weight. Lower the amount of alcohol you drink. Don't smoke. Color your plate with lots of fruits and vegetables and leafy greens because they're loaded with phytonutrients and anti-cancer and anti-inflammatory properties. 
that directly target cell mutations, and they put the brakes on all kinds of cancer development. So they can prevent and repair DNA damage. So eat those leafy greens and uh, vegetables. And try to go meatless from time to time because a high intake of red meat, um, white meat, processed meat, poultry even, shows increases in breast cancer risk when compared to people who just eat vegetables. And unfortunately, red meat was particularly flagged. It was found a 41% increased risk. But even poultry has a risk of 22%. Now, fish contains omega-3s that are generally beneficial, but um, fish, just like meat and poultry, can cause the body to produce insulin-like growth factors. And you got to be careful there. So move your body more. Women who get, you know, three or four hours a week of some vigorous exercise are going to have a 30 to 40% less uh, chance of cancer. And um, avoid, avoid environmental toxins. So minimize your exposure to all those EDCs, you know, those, those endocrine disrupting compounds because they lurk in every household product. So choose organic whenever you can. And finally, find time for daily stress relief. Do some meditation because um, 20 minutes a day of something that that helps you relax and become stress-free is going to keep you cancer-free. So that's our segment on breast cancer for segment one. When we come back from break, we're going to go to the beautiful country of Greece. Don't go away. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is called. 
Well, have you ever been to Greece? Uh, it is a wonderful country. I've been fortunate enough to be there a couple of times. Uh, I was there the, my very first time uh, when I was a student at the University of Bordeaux and traveled with a girlfriend and went throughout Greece and several of the islands. And it was really, I just loved the food. But the second time I was there, I was actually doing a television show. And so uh, it was called the World Travel Magazine, and I was the host, along with Joe Campanella. And that was really, really exciting because got to see, you know, more monuments and more in-depth because when you're with a TV production crew, you kind of get into things that, that never were. But I thought maybe you'd be interested in some interesting facts about Greece, because right now it seems a lot of people are traveling there um, because the, uh, the economy, I guess, it's, it's so much less expensive in Greece. I mean, despite some of the political issues, there's, it is really, there's so much to like there. Now, the basic facts about Greece um, that you need to know, a lot of people tend to think that Greece might be part of the Middle East. It's not. It is located in Europe, but it is a southeastern country in Europe. Now, the population is around 10 million, so that's like half the population of California. I think California is 20 million. Maybe it's 25 million now. So it's, you know, it's not that populated. It's bordered by the countries of Albania and Bulgaria and Turkey and the Republic of Macedonia. And it has maritime borders with Cyprus and Egypt and Italy and Libya. And that, that's um, interesting, you know, because I never think of Greece actually having a maritime border with Libya. But it's true that if you look on a map, you'll find it. Now, the capital, of course, is Athens, and right at the moment, they still use the euro as long as the, um, the European Union is in, in, in place, I guess. And the language is Greek, of course. So the following facts about Greece is it has over 6,000 thousand islands in the Aegean and the Ionian Sea. Now, there's only about 200 of them that are inhabited, and probably you've heard of these well-known ones. And these are ones that I was on when I was doing the show and actually when I visited before. So Santorini is known for its beautiful views and absolutely incredible sunsets. And um, uh, Mykonos is this is such a cool island. It has a, a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to be there. There's so much seafood. Well, I guess all the islands have seafood, but I found the seafood on Mykonos to be really spectacular. And then Crete, it's a combination of mountains and sea. It's a very unique destination because you can go hiking, you can go canoeing, and of course there's lots of uh, very small isolated beaches, and the crystal clear water is great for snorkeling and for swimming. Now, how old is Greece? Ancient Greece started around 8th century BC, and um, actually military service in, is mandatory for males in Greece, you have to go nine months in the military, usually in the army. You go 
a year in the Navy or a year in the Air Force. And Greek males between 18 and 60 are required to do a partial training if they're living in specific areas of Greece. There are nine geographic regions, Macedonia, the, the Peloponnese, Thalassi, Epirus, the Aegean Islands, the Ionian Islands, and Crete and Trace. And of course, there's central Greece. It is considered, as you probably know, to be the home of democracy, of Western philosophy, of literature, and of extensive scientific and mathematical principles. I think everybody has heard of Socrates and Plato. You've probably um, read maybe the Iliad and the Odyssey, or at least you studied it when you were in school. Now, Socrates was the originator of Western philosophy, and he was the he's considered the first moral philosopher. Now, Plato is considered the central figure in the history of the ancient Greek and Western philosophy. And, of course, Aristotle, he was the creator of the Lyceum and the school of philosophy. And then there's Epicurus. He was born on the Greek island of Samos. And he founded a highly influential school of philosophy that is actually known as Epicureanism. Then there was Democritus. He's considered the father of modern science. And he's known for his formulation of the atomic theory of the universe. And Greece is also considered to be one of the sunniest countries in the world. It has over 240 days of sun on average, and some of the islands in the uh, Aegean and Ionian seas, they actually have 300 days of sun per year. And I think that's another reason why I love it, because I'm not a winter babe. I really, I'm a sunshine babe. And so um, I, well, I, let's see, one time I was there once in summer, and I did uh, a full winter in Greece, too. So the most of the population of Greece is living in the capital of Athens. There's like 45% of the total population lives in Athens. And um, although if you go in August, which is, you know, summer there, you, it's actually Athens pretty empty because people visit other parts of Greece and they mostly go to the islands. At other times of the year, it's really populated there. And what I do like about um, Greece, of course, are all the the antiquities. But otherwise, I would love to get out of Athens and go and see some of the other places. Now, it also has a blue zone. The island of Icaria is a blue zone. And you might wonder, or maybe you have forgotten what a blue zone is. It is divine, defined as a space where the environment is conducive to old age and where most of the residents are going to live to 90 or 100 plus. So the blue zone is that whole island of Icaria. Now, my favorite thing actually about Greece is Greek mythology. I loved studying it in high school. I studied it in college. And it, I found it just to be so fun about learning about all the gods and goddesses and, you know, um, the birth of Aphrodite and, uh, you know, Hercules and uh, the Trojan horse and, you know, Athena and Hermes and all the sirens. I mean, it was the deities of, um, of 
ancient Greece are quite exciting. Now, Greek mythology is considered a body of myths that was originally told by ancient Greeks. And the stories are about the origin and the nature of the world and the activities and the lives of the heroes and the gods and the goddesses and the mythological creatures. And um, modern scholars study the myths in an attempt to shed light on the religious and political institutions of ancient Greece and its civilizations. And they try to uh, gain a better understanding of what myth-making is itself. So, you know, the ancient myths were actually an oral poetic tradition. And um, so many of our names and literature actually come from Greek. So I'm going to tell you about my name, Cynthia. So Cynthia is obviously a girl's name, but it is of Greek origin. And it actually means moon, moon goddess or woman from Synthos. Now, Synthos was spelled K-Y-N-T-H-O-S. Now, about uh, Synthos, it actually is the same name for Artemis or Diana. So in classical mythology, that was the epithet is Artemis or Diana. Now, who was Artemis or Cynthia in Greek goddess? She was the Olympian goddess of the hunt, the moon, and chastity. And in time, she also became associated with nature. And supposedly no more than a few days old, she helped her mother, Leto, give birth to her, her twin brother, Apollo. So my twin brother is Apollo, right? And the god of the sun, isn't that right? Isn't that what Apollo is? Um, and Artemis or Cynthia is almost universally depicted as young, beautiful, and a vigorous nature person, a huntress carrying a quiver with arrows and holding a bow, wearing a short knee-high tunic and accompanied by some animal, a stag, a doe, or hunting dogs. And um, <laughs> and having a crescent moon crown, Homer called Cynthia the the mistress of animals or she of the wild. And I like that the best because I thought I am such an animal creature. And, um, you know, I have all these adopted and abandoned animals that I take in and I give them home. So I like the name mistress of the animals or she of the wild because that is one of my messages, is to be wild. So that is a little bit about Cynthia. Oh, yes, um, the name Cynthia was actually a favorite of Elizabethan poets, and it was first used in the English-speaking world during the classical period from the late 16th to 18th century. And some English writers used the name to denote Queen Elizabeth I, as a virgin moon goddess. So I thought that was rather fun. So I'm going to keep that. I am going to be the mistress of the animals and she of the wild. And I will be a moon goddess. <laughs> when we come back from break, uh, we will have more for you because now we're going to go into the garden where I am actually known as the goddess gardener. And it had nothing to do with being a moon goddess, but I'll take that as well. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I'll be right back. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. 
VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Humor is serious business. Take your career seriously, but take yourself lightly. In a survey of over 737 CEOs, 98% said they would rather hire somebody with a great sense of humor than somebody without one. If you're willing to laugh at yourself and your mistakes, you are better prepared to handle stress in the workplace. Humor builds positive working relationships and improves morale. Norman Cousins, in his book, Anatomy of an Illness, found that laughter enhances respiration, circulation, oxygenates the blood, and suppresses the stress-related hormones in the brain. So laughing with others builds confidence and camaraderie. Most corporations are realizing the positive effects of humor and are building it into their culture. So business doesn't have to be boring. Humor makes for better, serious business. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan, Bryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion dollars. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is F. Scott Fitzgerald said that life starts all over again when it gets crisp in the fall. And that's kind of the weather that we're having now. Well, a couple weeks ago, when our power company, which is Pacific Gas and Electric, had informed the community that the power was going to be shut off on a Wednesday. It was, uh, I was a little nervous because it was supposed to be shut off when it was time to do the radio show. And it was because it was due to high gusty winds and dry conditions. Fortunately, they didn't shut it off until a few later, a few hours later, which made it okay for me to do our show. But as I think I expressed last week, unfortunately, after they shut it off, we and everybody had no power at their homes. Or and all the businesses had no power. There was no power anywhere within miles and miles. Um, we had a big fire, <laughs> and everyone had to be evacuated in the middle of the night with no power. Uh, fortunately, no homes were lost, and no people were hurt badly. So that was 
great. Uh, that's a, that was a really good thing. But uh, the thing that happened with there's no power is I just go out into the garden and I get a jump start on the fall chores. So the next 30 days or so are really the optimal time for anyone to get their landscape prepared for the winter sleep and the spring awakening. Now, before the rains come, now I know that some people listening to this are in parts of the continent or the world where it's already been flooding and you've been having tons of rain, so this isn't going to apply to you. But here on the West Coast and in the drier areas, before the rains come, we've had no rain at all. You want to harvest your grapes and any other fruit. You want to take away any trash. You want to tidy up the vegetable patch, clear away dead stems and all kinds of brush and debris. Overwintering pests and diseases will take refuge in those hideouts if you leave them in the garden. Now, corn stalks have to be cut. You can use them for um, Halloween decorations. You know, Halloween is coming up next week. So if you're in corn country, let's start decorating. You can pick your ripe apples, your figs, your Asian pears, and of course your pumpkins if you've grown those. Now leaves from deciduous and evergreen trees, they can be raked into the compost pile. Or if you have space, you can stack your leaves separately to create a rich leaf mold that can be used next season as a valuable ingredient in your potting soil. But make sure you keep those leaves moist because If you did have a a fire, leaves are combustible if they're dry, so you don't want to encourage a fire. Now, most garden projects are really best begun in the autumn because the soil is still warm, but the evenings are cool. So you, it's a good time now, and some of the days are cooler too, although it's still sunny outside. So this is a good time to create new paths, add a rock garden, terrace a hillside, plant a fern grotto, sow a new lawn. And if you have a greenhouse, you can start bringing any frost-tender potted plants into the structure. And if you don't have a greenhouse, you want to identify plants that need protection. If they're in containers, you can move them closer to your home, preferably under an awning or, you know, on the patio. And for plants that are growing in your garden that are going to be susceptible to winter chills, you want to wrap them in burlap. I have currently been covering my bougainvilleas and my blue flowering birds of paradise because those are very frost tender and we do get uh, some really cold nights. Sometimes it goes down to the twenties, so um, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to have that. Now, with the tra- change of seasons, our house plants require a bit of TLC. So all of the smaller movable plants, bring them outdoors for a final refreshing shower to remove built-up dust. You can give them a deep drink on a warm, but not a hot day, and then let them dry in the shade before returning them to the house. Now for large plants, such as fiddle leaf fig or philodendron, take a a damp cloth and wipe each leaf. You want to wipe it top to bottom. And also wipe down the stems. And now with shorter days, there's going to be less intense light coming into your house. And your indoors are going to have a very different kind of atmosphere. So just you can expect your houseplants could suffer. So make sure to keep the soil evenly moist, not soggy, just moist. And if you want to water your Christmas cactus to bloom for the holidays, um, 
you can uh, you uh, can keep it in a cool room. Give it one drink now, and then don't water it anymore. Let it let it rest until it starts blooming. Because if you water it, you're just going to feed the green, and you're not going to get any flowers. Now, for us, red flag days are going to be more common throughout November as winds kick up. In fact, we're in the middle of a red flag day right now. And the heat of fall is going to keep the thermometers rising. So if you pruned your um, your trees, make sure that you are cleaning out all of the brush, any dead limbs, anything that could ignite. It's very important because as we found in this fire, like there is a plant called coyote bush or coyote brush that literally is a torch. And Um, It really went crazy in this last fire that we had. If you pruned your begonias and roses in the last few weeks, you're going to enjoy some bountiful flowers until the downpours begin. Uh, I am so enamored with begonias, both the tuberous and the wax leaf. So in some areas, the wax leaf begonia is an annual, but here on the West Coast and our warm Mediterranean climate, they are perennials. Um, So they're like their sisters, the tuberous begonias. So don't make the mistake of pulling them out when they die back. Just cut them to the ground and allow them to overwinter. And then you're going to be rewarded with a fuller plant next blooming season. So these are just some additional tips that I want to give you that um, for the um, for the rest of the month that you want to get done. So you want to create some meandering borders that could be filled with perennials and shrubs. This is the time to plant trees and bushes as the temperature is cooler. And especially for deciduous plants where you love fall color, you're going to be able to see the color if at a nursery. So go to your nursery, decide if you like reds, yellows, oranges, or if you don't like those at all and buy the tree that you want to plant, and make sure that you take into account the height and the width of the tree and plant it appropriately. Do not plant trees within 30 feet of chimneys, and try to keep them at least 20 feet from, or 10 feet if you're on a smaller lot, from uh, your roof. Scatter wildflower seeds, especially California poppies and lupins. Oh, and by the way, the things that I'm telling you right now to do, this is what to do once it rains. Um, I don't like to scatter my wildflower seeds until it rains because otherwise I find that the birds just eat them. Once it starts raining, you can plant a new lawn or reseed an existing lawn. You can deadhead your annuals. You can root out any remaining weeds. If you're going to add a water feature or dig a pond, this is a good time to do it. And this is also the time that uh, you can choose your fall planting bulbs And you can start planting them in the next month. You know, uh, don't forget muscari, grape hyacinths. It's a fragrant bulb. It'll multiply, and it grows in sun and shade. And the crocus, the tulip, and the hyacinths have to be refrigerated six, uh, six weeks before planting. So if you're just now buying your bulbs, you didn't get them in September, get them in the refrigerator, and you'll be able to plant them towards the end of November. You can sow cool season vegetables, including turnips, peas, lettuce, rutabagas, kohlrabi, carrots, kale, spinach, whatever you like, you know, cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. And if you want to add a tropical ambiance to your garden, try some red hot poker, some palms, or some New Guinea impatience. 
uh, you can have some very nice, long-lasting beauty for a sunny area with ornamental grasses, geraniums, and elephant ear. Uh, you can fix nitrogen and increase biomass with a cover crop for the winter, like mustard, alfalfa, or crimson clover. And, of course, enjoy your uh, begonias. And once they start dying back, don't pull them out because they're going to return next year. Just remember our gardens are winding down, and we will be too in the next month or two as we get ready for the holidays. So get to work finishing your tasks this autumn in anticipation of a restful winter. And just know that life will begin anew, but first we're going to get a long slumber for winter. And I know so many people in the Sierras are starting to get excited because the snows are coming. So thanks for being great listeners and allowing me into your life every Wednesday. I hope that you will always tune in from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific or listen to us in the archives at Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. You can also find us on iTunes under Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For information about Be the Star You Are charity, visit bethestarur.org. Please make a donation. Giving Tuesday is coming up, and we would really like to get some matching donations. You can find more information or book a consultation or a, um, a meeting with me at CynthiaBryan.com. If you need any gardening help, I am here for you. And until next week when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I hope you'll pick up a book soon or consider buying some of our books. We have eight of them at BeTheStarYouAre.org. With all the money going there, you can find them at CynthiaBryan.com forward slash books. So I thank you for being with me. My name is Cynthia Bryan. I encourage you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Have a great week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. And be here next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And make sure to tune in to our teen show, Express Yourself, on the Voice America Network, broadcasting 3 p.m. Pacific on Sundays. Thanks for being here with Star Style. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program star style be the star you are we have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire inform entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to be the star you ignite the flame that burns brightly within Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.